0: What's up everybody? Welcome to the Pick Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, November 18th. That I means two things. One, we're eight days away from Thanksgiving football, which is usually great, but it's two NFC East teams in Houston and Detroit early on. But, you know, we'll watch anyway. It'll be exciting. And more importantly, two, it's a Brady Gwynn football show. <laughs> I think
1: your reaction to the sound is actually better than mine.
0: My son, by the way, loves these, the, the reggae air horns. So how do you, how do you
1: not? I mean, yeah. he hears a play. He's
0: like, play it again, dad, play it again. I'm like, play it
1: again. Do it again, dad. Do it again, dad.
0: One more time. One more time. I'm like, hey, that's enough. That's seven times, pal. Uh What's up? How you doing?
1: I'm doing well, man. I, uh, I'm excited for today's show. Cause uh we can talk about some kind of like interesting stuff in regards to the saints. Like I think, When you look at what's occurred this past week to Drew Brees, and and as more news comes out about his injury, it does not look good. Like I, I think based on what's being reported, there's a chance he misses at least three games, maybe four games.
0: Oh, I think it's more than that. I, are they, are they, they, people trying to say one to two weeks? I don't buy that.
1: No, people are saying like, you know, three weeks, then I'll be back. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, I think it'll be probably, you know, four plus. I'm kind of with you in that, in that part of it.
0: Well, well, let's get into it. So the reports, uh, I think Ed Warder of ESPN has sort of been at the forefront of reporting these specific – Is he runs. like
1: in the medical rooms? Is he like in the X-ray rooms for all these reports? Because I feel like he's he's getting all this information out almost immediately after Drew Brees is coming out of the X-ray room.
0: Like he's got – yeah, yeah, it is pretty fast. I, it's got to be a – He's got like a
1: lab coat on. <laughs> he's like <laughs> – he puts back on the mustache. He has a mustache, right? Yeah, like exactly most right. people, they put on a mustache as a disguise, but he actually puts like skin over top to cover it.
0: That's, that's great. No, you can see, Ed Warner you can see is like, Like pretending to be a lab technician. He's like, mm, so yes, uh, Dr. We got here Dr. Hmm. Berger. Um, just wondering what the case with the breeze situation was in the ribs. Oh, yes, indeed. Just one second. I need to not tweet that out. Uh, maybe he knows the saints team doctors or something like that. That would be my. Guess.
1: Yeah, of course. You know, someone, I mean, clearly yeah. maybe he knows the, the garbage guy who's throwing out the x-rays. I don't know. I mean, however it's, well,
0: it's, so it's weird because usually you can kind of pinpoint. I mean, you know You're not supposed to source guess as a media member. Do you guys source guess as players?
1: Yeah, of course. We'd be right. like, Oh right. yeah. She wrote that or he wrote that because they spoke to someone. Like we saw that happen or we've seen them having beers or we witnessed something else. It just or it's
0: like, like coach X. You know, it's like it's like when something comes out on a certain team, yeah, and
1: you know, like, you know that coach is is close to this per yeah, yeah, of
0: course, right, yeah, and there's always plenty of that. Anyway, let's get back on track. So the Drew Brees injury, it is multiple fractured ribs on each side, right, and a partially collapsed lung. Like, yeah, that's. I mean, if that happens to me, I'm in the hospital for a few weeks.
1: Yeah, no, it, it sounds incredibly significant and severe, and I'm not sure. You can obviously see why he didn't come back into the game. There's, there's a lot that makes sense there. The fact that he went into the game though with the whole fractured ribs and all that that was reported. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, look, I, I've been through torn cartilage, bruised ribs, maybe there's a micro fracture. Who knows? You know, you just try to play through the best you can. I used to get shots of Novocaine directly uh, into that spot of my ribs that hurt, and used to take a nice little painkiller cocktail. I think it was a uh, it was a combination of. uh Vicodin, flexorol, and Indocin. So I think I had an anti-inflammatory, a muscle relaxer, and a painkiller. So imagine taking those. All right, every- on, right, on, right all. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You have the uh, you have a little cocktail of those and a little glass of wine or a beer. at really <laughs> that point.
0: Christmas tree.
1: Well, the problem was that I couldn't sleep because I can't sleep on my back. I, I I would try to sleep on my side, but then it would hurt because of the way you know gravity was pushing down. You obviously can't sleep on that side where you've got that issue. So. It became very difficult to find a way to sleep. So you just put yourself into a drug induced coma, basically. That's how you get through the night. But the reality is it would have been really hard for him to play through it. And so I came out even going into the game in the first place. Like I wonder how much they contemplated, you know, having Jameis Winston ready or Taysom Hill ready to go take over with that sort of injury. And, and it's going to be a while before it gets better. Um, I swear to you to this day, like I, I still feel like when I twist and turn certain ways, like, there is something going on in my ribs that like never really fully healed. So
0: I mean ribs are not, you know, a, not a soft tissue that can quickly repair itself. They are bones in so like your protective rib cage. I mean they are it's a pretty important part of the the body. Like it's it's not designed to be broken and Well, and,
1: and because of the throwing motion, the torque, and really because of the way you breathe, right? Like they're constantly in motion. So yeah. they're expanding and collapsing back and forth. So it's it makes it hard for them to ever be in a state where they can just be at rest and be able to heal kind of motionless like that.
0: Do I would assume that if which is reportedly the, 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 the rib injury before the game is on one side, not both sides. You have to assume if he's right handed, it's on the left side. I mean, mine was on the right side.
1: Either way, it's still going to impact you. You yeah, know, no matter the
0: way your torque is your drive. Yeah, I
1: mean, like, either way, know. I mean, you're twisting back this way to torque back through before. I mean, you know, you, you really, you're really going to be using both sides. So it doesn't matter which side it's on. You're going to be impacting one, one way or another, I promise you, if, it, if it's a rib injury.
0: All right, well, so let's say that he's out four to six weeks. That feels like a reasonable timeline, right?
1: Let's say five because that's what they went through last year, right? It's,
0: yeah, let's split the difference. How do the – what is the same – see, I think, I think this is fascinating because when Drew Brees went out last year and with that, that fractured thumb, Teddy Bridgewater comes in. And the Saints won all five games. They went on the road and won two straight games. Two, he, he, they, he was lost against uh, the, the Rams, and then they went straight to Seattle without ever coming back to New Orleans. They beat the Seahawks in Seattle, very impressive win. But the, the way that Sean Payton approached the offensive attack was to really, really be conservative with Teddy Bridgewater. And now, this is how Teddy Bridgewater operates. He doesn't throw down the field a time. Right, and He was dinking and dunking, and it was a conservative passing attack. They leaned on a defense that was emerging as one of the league's best. They let Alvin Kamara do Alvin Kamara things, and you just sort of feed Michael Thomas in the short passing game. Jameis Winston is not Teddy Bridgewater. No. He is a very, very different quarterback. Do you think that they will have a similar offensive approach to last year, or are they hashtag let Jameis cook?
1: <laughs> I think it will be a similar offensive approach to last year. I mean, you go back to Jameis Winston's college days, um, it's not like he was necessarily throwing bombs down the field all, all day. You know, I mean, we tend to forget. I mean, look, he was playing in a Bruce Arian system last year. Um, he's typically been able to throw the football down the field because he's got a strong arm. Um, but, but I think he can work within the confines of the offense. I mean, just the small sample size we had last week, um, him stepping in and replace a breeze. I mean, I, I think it'll be more of the same. It's still going to be a ball control offense. They're going to ask him to take care of the football, be accurate in the short intermediate throws. And he didn't take off and use his legs in athleticism. I think that's more of like the wild card of this is twofold. One, uh, Winston will probably hold on the football a little bit longer than Breeze did. And then two, he's more athletic. And so there might be times where he takes off, uses his legs to scramble to either run for a touchdown, pick up a first down, uh, or just try to make something out of nothing. And that's going to be very different than I think what you're accustomed to seeing with Drew, where he is anticipating the throw, getting the ball out quick and really not electing to take off unless he absolutely has to. So, that's going to be one of the, I think the one of the biggest differences, you know, to think that this team is going to turn into, uh, hey, we're going to chunk it down the field a bunch to Emmanuel Sanders or Michael Thomas or whoever else we, you know, think Harris who has speed, um, uh, Traquan Smith. I mean, I, I just, I don't know that I foresee them necessarily doing that. I do think it's in his DNA. I think Jameis Winston, they'll build in some of those shots and they'll give him some of those opportunities. But, uh, you know, it, it really comes down to how Peyton, Sean Payton feels about this. Like, does he feel comfortable? Uh, putting his team now in that sort of position where they're doing something different than what they've been doing and what's been successful, uh, for the Saints this year to put them in the position that they're in. I, I think that's one of the bigger questions. And then obviously has Jameis Winston taken care of some of his issues with, uh, taking care of the football? And I think that's going to be the other thing that, you know, is going to potentially put a lot of strain on the defense if he starts turning the football a ton.
0: Well, and what makes that interesting, your, your point about that is it's not even that the Saints have been doing this for this year. Like this has just been. I' has offense the last five years. Yeah, and I sort of wonder – I mean, because it's easy to say if it was just the last two years, it's like, well, Drew Brees is washed. He can't throw downfield anymore. But he still takes some shots occasionally. Now, they don't look as crisp as they used to a few years ago, but I sort of think that they might do what they've been doing with – I agree with you. I think they might – I don't think they're going to change the offense a whole lot. I think they'll take maybe more shots downfield. But Janus's thing, it, I don't know that he's a great downfield passer. I think he's a great downfield thrower. And I think he can throw the ball as far as he needs to. But I don't know that he's ever exhibited just an incredible amount of downfield touch and accuracy the way, like, a Patrick Mahal. And I know that's a tough comparison. Patrick Mahomes or or even Andrew Luck, you know, Peyton Manning. Type, I mean, you know, I just don't know that he had. and I'm not saying he can't get better. And I think spending whatever we got this offseason plus 10 weeks with Sean Payton and practicing with the Saints and, and you know, all the, all the coaches there has, will drastically help him. But I, I just, I don't know. Like I, I don't know that, I don't know that we just assume, we just think of Jameis as like YOLO at deep. And I don't know that, that he's really, like I think he can be good without that.
1: No, he definitely can. Like I said, I mean, again, that wasn't like they're airing it out all the time in college and in, in Jimbo Fisher's system. And he ran more of a pro style system with some of the things he was asking him to do and how he'd read things out. Yeah. You know, they had, they had your, you know, traditional triangle reads. Or your drive, or shallow cross concepts, where you're reading the flat, you're reading the basic, you're reading, you know, to your to your running back in some sort of outlet capacity. So they've had the variety of 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 reads within a system that he's played in before. It's just it's been a while since he's been asked to do that. And then you go back through his years of coaches that have been there when he got there. Whether it was what Dirk Cutter, um, but before obviously Bruce Arians took over as the head coach. I mean, those guys like to freaking throw the football down the field. So he was kind of put in a different position, and I think he looks at it as he 's got a strong arm he 's willing to do so. He had Mike Evans, um, he had Chris Godwin, so why not? you know why not take a shot and opportunity to utilize the guys you have but uh, again, I, I don't think that's going to be their their offense necessarily. Uh, I think the biggest thing is look can he can he keep himself from making the dumb decisions like there was times where you'd see him make a dumb decision poor throw, and there was other times where you'd see him make an, an unbelievable throw downfield it, it's the consistency of good decision making. That is required, I think, to operate within this offense. Cause if you can do that, and if you can get Alvin Kamara the football and Michael Thomas the football and then take care of the football and do enough that way, the defense, the, the, the whole, to- the whole of the team should be able to win the majority of the games in Drew Brees' absence.
0: I agree with you completely. Now, and, and worth noting, Falcons twice, Broncos once, and the Eagles in the four game stretch. But Falcons isn't a gimme though. I mean, no, 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 no. but I mean, I mean, Atlanta Atlanta's not locking down James. Like, yeah, you
1: know. their defense has been better, and they've been bringing a lot more pressure, more variety of coverages and blitzes. Like, like I could see that game being a lot more problematic than people want to give it credit. I I could see them splitting with Atlanta. I'll put it that way.
0: I, I think that's reasonable. I think it's insane for anybody to suggest that they'll go five and zero or like four and zero or five and zero again. Yeah. Now, I think what, what, what's interesting about the schedule, though, is that uh, December twentieth, which would be the fifth game for Drew Brees to miss. You know who they play? Who is that? Kansas City Chiefs. Ooh. I think I am firmly entrenched in the belief that last year with Teddy Bridgewater 5 0 and a bad Arizona Cardinals team on the horizon, uh, even I think it was before the bye, like right before the bye, that Drew Brees was like, nah, I'm good. I'm coming back. Teddy ain't going 6 and 0. I'm ready to play and then I'll win. And when I got the bye week. I can throw against this team. And that he, like, I, I I, I th- and I have no problem with that. That's a that's a competitive nature. It's why Drew Brees has succeeded the way he has. But I don't think he was willing to let Teddy go six and zero and and left the should Teddy start the rest of the season chatter pop up, even though it would have been insane.
1: I mean, I think there was some of that chatter. It was insane. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it all depends on how fast he can heal. I mean, this isn't something that.
0: This is different think, than the thumb, too.
1: I think. Yeah, this is different than that. It, it's 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 a hard area to be able to accelerate the recovery process, too. You know, like I said, you can't really give the area much rest. So I mean,
0: he just posted uh, a picture on Instagram or Twitter of like he's with his kids and he's got a one of the breathing thing. He's having to do like he's he's basically having to prop his lung back up. Yeah, you can't rest that man. Like, It's no. lung rise. Right.
1: And that's why it's going to be interesting to see when he gets back and when he tries to kind of, well, when he can even kind of put his foot on the gas or accelerate as far as his recovery process. Like that's the other question. All this is at what point can you start kind of push yourself and testing yourself to see what it's going to be like once you go back out there.
0: Okay. I have two more questions related to the same thing. We'll get to a break. And I just realized this one, I think this one's kind of interesting actually from an actionable betting standpoint, which is what we like to bring to our listeners, Right now, the NFC South odds: the Falcons and the Panthers are about 140 to one to win. You probably don't want to bet on that. Uh, the Saints are minus 238, and the Buccaneers are plus 162. I'll take the Bucks. I I'm I'm on a Saints ticket already preseason at like minus 160, and I almost bet the Bucks before. I was thinking about betting the Bucks. I think now with Breeze Hurt in the Bucks at plus 160, it'd be foolish not to take a bite out of that, right?
1: You gotta hedge. I mean, you, you should hedge at least at this point. I mean, it, it's, it makes sense. It sets up for them to kind of sneak in somehow, even though they've struggled against them, head to head play. But, uh, yeah, no, you, you have to. If you don't, uh, you're doing an injustice to your family and future generations within the Brinton <laughs> family.
0: I hope that it's not that big a bet that it deeply affects my, Ability to uh, do whatever. I mean, the Buccaneers are a half game back. Right. And as we point out, the Falcons are not a good team.
1: If you're still trying to convince yourself to lay that bet, I don't know what I can tell you now to help you. Like, you should be I'm- rushing to get it at that number before it goes down anymore. Because I do think, like, all those odds will be much more even, and you're not going to be able to get that sort of value with the Bucks. You better go lay that bet.
0: So the Buccaneers have. I I I agree with you. I'm just trying to walk it walk through our listeners. The Buccaneers have, ooh, the Rams on Monday night at home, and and then the Chiefs. Whew, that's tough. But then they then they have Vikings, Falcons, Lions, Falcons. So, I mean, I would think they split. And by the way, you've
1: got LA coming across the country, right? Yeah,
0: but yeah, both those games are at
1: home. I would think they split worse. Well, and, and what happened the last time they they came to the state of Florida?
0: They laid a huge egg. Yeah. Against somebody. Oh, the Dolphins. Oh yeah. In Tampa, Mons This is a Mons Venus special for some of those ranchers.
1: <laughs> well, here's the problem. Here's my theory on that, by the way. Okay. Uh-huh. I travel from Florida to the state of California mm-hmm. and, and there's some drastic differences. Okay. I've called games in both called game in Miami, called a game, uh, most recently in, in LA, uh, UCLA cow. I mean, it's it's a it's a different world out there, Will. I mean, you're shut down, you're quarantined. If you step in the foot, or you step foot in the state of California, when you're in Florida, you can go out to eat, you can do all kinds of different things. Look, they're taking the proper precautions and safety precautions, but they're still keeping their economy open. I just think that maybe these LA guys came out and they're like, you know what, we're gonna enjoy ourselves. You know, we we've earned this. You know, we've been good. Let's go have a nice dinner. Let's go see kind of. What's out and about around town? And I think they, they've realized like this is what they're, this is what they're missing out on. Cause when they go back to the state of California, they're going to be locked down. So maybe that's why they've struggled coming to the West coast this year, or come to the East coast this year.
0: Uh, I agree with you completely. I love that theory when you floated it on, uh, CBS Sports HQ. I was making, I was sort of looking down confused. William Hill doesn't even have NFC South odds up right now, which is very surprising to me. Yep. I almost think that maybe my locals making a mistake here and I need, I think you're right. I need to pounce on this.
1: Got That's it. why I'm telling you to go as fast as you can to make, place that bet. It's going to change. I'm telling you, those odds are going to even out, especially with, with, uh, you know, mustache or no mustache, Ed Warder, depending on his disguise, what his reporting is going to be. The, the more we find out about how long he's going to be out, the, the worse those odds are going to get, right? at least for you, if you're looking for value. So you need to stop doing this podcast right, and well, go lay that
0: bet right now. Let me ask you this. If somebody doesn't have a bet right now and they can find those same odds, you're taking Tampa anyway, right? yes yeah okay i agree i agree i'm 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 making sure and this is good brady's really into this gambling stuff i like it yeah i mean i try to be i have to be yeah it's the new um i've been
1: told by port we have to be so we've we've had to adapt we got to adapt you're,
0: you're very enthusiastic about it i like it and Well the uh, problem
1: is i grew up in the midwest so i was very sheltered and it's uh like my mom i first time i ever went out to vegas and she's like did you gamble and I was like, "Well, yeah, Mom, we we played some blackjack. I, the guy, you know, rolled some. You know, we did some craps, and some roulette." She just shook her head. She's like, "I'm so disappointed in you." I mean, it was like,
0: <laughs> "Wow." It was I,
1: was. I was like, "Wow, okay." That that made her disappointed of all the things I've done in my life. So I think
0: my parents thought that like fantasy football is gambling for a while. They're like, "I mean, is this is this okay?" I was like, "Is it not?" Well, it probably is. Yeah. I mean, the NFL it's, it's, didn't want it to be. The NFL had to stay, it'd be like, "Nah, this is fine." Did they they not, not want it to be now though? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little more skill related, I think. Yeah. Uh, I agree. It probably is. Uh, okay. So my last question to you about the state stuff. If is there a chance that J, this is Jameis, can Jameis Winston secure a long-term deal with New Orleans as a, or as a result of this next five games? I mean, is that, is well, that in play?
1: I mean, don't you think that was a little conversation of bringing Jameis Winston to New Orleans in the first place?
0: I think, mean, I think Sean Payton was like, yo, man, look, uh, you need, you need Sean Payton rehab, bro. Do you see what Teddy Bridgewater
1: got? Did you see them dancing in the locker room minutes. together this past week? Yeah. I mean, they, you just see Sean Payne dancing in the locker room with other players. I mean, clearly they, they have similar dance moves. I mean, Jam I I'm like, down his mouth.
0: <laughs> Yeah, they're both
1: eating dubs. I mean, all I'm saying is that was the conversation going into the scenario. I can promise you that like from, from being a free agent quarterback, talking with teams, prospective teams, you talk about, you know, either going in as a backup or what the opportunity may be. That is exactly what is pitched and sold to you is, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, when you get your shot, like this is a great audition for you potentially here for the long term or, you know, your opportunity to be our guy when you've got an older guy in front of you. So I promise you that was the conversation. This is now coming to real life and he's got that opportunity in front of them and we'll see what they do with it. And then that's the only, that's the only thing that makes me think maybe Sean Payton will be like, all right, I've got a different quarterback that I need to work to his strengths because Sean, Hayden does a tremendous job playing to the strengths of his players. So maybe he does start to incorporate more downfield throws because of Winston's arm strength and willingness to do so. And he's okay. If some of those downfield throws end up turning into interceptions, you know, he understands what he's getting himself into if he chooses to go that route. So but there's no doubt this is an audition, I think for the future in new Orleans, regardless of what the saints say about Taysom Hill. Like to me, He's what is more. That,
0: by the way, what, what, what? Just name James Winston the starter. Everyone right. knows it's, he's the starter. Stop it, Sean.
1: Yeah, he went into his backups. Like, what do you expect? And, and, and the thing is, it's like, well, it's like maybe because they're trying to justify what they paid Jason Hill. The reality is this: he takes up multiple roster spots, so you can justify it because he basically takes up three guys' jobs. He's a, uh, a he's he's an emergency quarterback. He's a, a third string running back. Wildcat. Whatever you want to call it wide receiver, tight end. He plays on special teams. He's on kickoff as R4. He's the PP and punt. Like all the, I mean, he does all that. And you get that all in one player. That's a high price to pay because there's no one else in the league last time I checked doing that. So you don't need to justify the fact that oh, he could be the future quarterback. Just say, look, we like all the different hats and roles he wears. He's a great piece within our locker room. We feel like the way we utilize him is unique. So we're going to pay him a lot of money. Uh And he, he might not be our future quarterback. Like we might be Stamson Winston or maybe a draft pick. But um, th- this is, again, this is an audition for Janice Winston and the future. There's no doubt.
0: That's why if you're a podcaster and you do video and you write, you demand the big bucks, the Taysom Hill bucks, baby. Uh, all right. Coming up after the, break. I don't know. Do
1: you refer to yourself there?
0: No, 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 Ryan Wilson. Uh, coming up after the break. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love, I love how we get Ryan in his positions where he can't defend himself, <laughs> yeah. but I will say this, no one works harder than Ryan Wilson because he had to come out with like a 2022 mock draft. We haven't even had 2021 yet. Okay, think about the pressure they put on that, man. Uh, all
0: right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, is Kyler Murray in the MVP race? Can the Cardinals make a run? And uh, who are the sleeping giants in the AFC East?
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
0: Playoff projections. We're sort of taking our playoff projections courtesy of, uh, Stephen O of sportsline.com and examining. We're going to take a deeper dive into two teams, one from each conference. We'll start with the NFC. So the Saints are the current one seed, right? Isn't that right? The Saints are the current one seed. Correct. My NFL Jesus standings. The NFL, you know, NFL. You know about NFL Jesus? NFL Jesus? Game stats information system? G I G S I S Jesus. Nope. Okay. Don't care about it. The Packers are the current number one seed, actually. The Saints are the number two seed. Okay. Um do you think Green Bay ends up winning getting that top seed? Um
1: Yes, because their division is I don't know, the Saints have already beat the toughest part of their division. But they still again
0: The Saints also don't have Drew Brees, so
1: Right. And, and they still to play the Falcons. I think they're playing better football than people realize. Uh, I'm going to go with yes. Um, if they're in the driver's seat now, I don't really see them stumbling the rest of the way. The Bears are only getting worse. The Vikings look better, but not really. I mean, it's hard to make that indication based off how they looked this past week versus the Bears. Um, Tampa,
0: Tampa at seven and three is a sleeper for it, but obviously the Saints had the tiebreaker in that division. So right. So they that's, to, true. they have to steal the division to, to make it happen.
1: Right. Um, and we saw how that worked out versus Green Bay, right? Green Bay has the tiebreaker over them. I no they don't. They lost the have
0: the tiebreaker over Green Bay. Bay. Right. So
1: I don't know. Maybe 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 Tampa Bay is kind of the wild card and all the house can work out. It's one of those three teams, though.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't think an NFC West team is going to get it. I think they have too many games against each other. Um but I will say this. I am fascinated by the NFC West because one It feels like Seattle is, I mean, it doesn't feel like Seattle. It doesn't feel like it. Seattle is slipping. (laughs) Like Seattle is falling back a little bit. Russell Wilson has to be perfect for them to win. Their defense is atrocious. And I think maybe even more important than the Seattle factor in all this, Brady, is that you see what the Rams did defensively against Seattle. They held them to 13 points, one. But two, you put Jalen Ramsey on a number one wide receiver in DK Metcalf and you lock him down. And then you just set Aaron Donald loose on a mobile quarterback with a questionable offensive line in front of him. Does that sound like the Arizona Cardinals? It sort of does to me. So, I I kind of tend to think that the Rams might and I but picked
1: on, who would be that that lockdown corner and who's the edge rusher you're referring to? Chandler Jones is out for the year.
0: No, I'm saying that the Rams might be a terrible matchup for the Cardinals.
1: Oh, um, potentially, right? I mean. It, I'm trying to go back to yeah, no, potentially. I mean we'll we'll see. Like,
0: like, I, I don't, who I don't wins, see is, can Ramsey? do you think Ramsey can lock down Hopkins?
1: Yeah, but I, I would say the difference is I think they can spread the football around enough, and and the X factor is the way they use Murray. I mean he's going to rush for over a thousand yards this year. You know Russell's not rushing for over that. I mean they they have an assemblance of balance between what they do with Drake and Edmonds as well as Murray running the football. That's kind of an X factor. And on top of it, you still have Larry. You still have Kirk. You still have these other positions that kind of pitch in uh, to that wide receiver group. So I I don't know that I see it quite the same. And I also think, like, Cliff does a tremendous job of wearing down defenses, especially early in games. You've got, like, a good D-tackle like that. You know what he does? He just throws wide receiver screen, wide receiver screen, wide receiver screen. Why? Because think about, like, the most effort you exert when you're a D-tackle. You blow off the ball, figure it's a pass, and then you got to change direction and run all the way out to a sideline. And then you got to come back. Now they're back at the line of scrimmage. You're doing it again. They throw it the other way. You run horizontally a bunch at the beginning of the game. They do this all the time. And it happens all the time in college. But, like, no one ever draws any conclusions to it. By the second half, these dudes are gassed, man, because they're so tired of jumping out, changing direction, running. Screen, screen, a little downfield, quick pass here tempo, or there. Tempo, I'm... tempo. Tempo, tempo, and they so as long as Arizona can stay on the field on third down and then put together some of these fast tempo, fast paced drives, it just wears down the defense, and and that's where you get this whole like time of possession versus plays faced argument, where you know it doesn't matter if it's it's fifty fifty time of possession, if you run at a faster pace and you're running fifteen twenty plays more, that's fifteen or twenty plays more Aaron Donald has to go up against.
0: Yeah, that's sure.
1: where they see that advantage in that sort of system.
0: I, I think time. I think plays. Is way more important than time of possession. Hundred percent, because you can run a, you can run left, like you could. I mean, if you're eating up the clock and waiting till five seconds are left, yeah, he's
1: he's getting a breather. Like if you're waiting thirty five seconds every time to call a play, that's why the whole idea. And I, I said this all the time. I'm like, stop. We need to stop. But, oh, they're dominating the time of possession. Okay, so what, they're sitting on the ball more. I mean, they're just standing out there resting instead of sitting down on the bench. Like it's not a big deal. And you're think, forcing those guys to line up and play fast. That's what makes it tough.
0: I, I think you can at the end of a game look at time of possession and say, okay, this – like you can draw a conclusion, but winning time of possession is not a beneficial like, – No. Doesn't do any good to win the time of possession. Uh, so who do you think uh, – can Kyler Murray win MVP? Yeah, I, th- I think he can. I mean, I, the biggest question becomes,
1: are we going to give the MVP to a playoff team and not a division winner? Because because of the NFC West, as you alluded to, like we may find three teams for sure get in in Seattle, LA, and Arizona. They may beat each other up, so I don't know who's going to win the division, but they're all three playoff teams in my opinion. So let's say they all get in. Like, are we okay if he goes over four thousand yards passing, one thousand yards rushing? I am. The problem is, is you've got this Patrick Mahomes guy who's now you know starting to kick it into gear. What twenty five touchdowns, like one interception. I mean, he's going to have a statistical case as well. And I'm not saying that they've got it easy to win the division because they've lost to the to the Raiders and they got to face each other again, but you know he's he's got a leg ahead as far as it's probably easier to win the AFC West than it is for Arizona to win the NFC West.
0: And he's also getting Andy Reid over a bye with a against a this is this week it's Sunday Night Football the Raiders it's prime time and there's this whole bus thing. Well,
1: and then the thing is, like, there's – you know, I do a radio show. We had a caller come up today and go, you know, the Raiders' defense is so improved. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, don't give me that. It's not improved. There was terrible weather in the Cleveland game. That's yeah. why they held him to six points. That's why they held him low yardage. Don't use that as an example. You know, this this past week's game, Denver turned the football over four times. And it was more probably on Drew Locke and the Denver offense than it was really anything that the Raiders' defense did. Correct. And his whole point was like, wow, they've really gotten better since that Kansas, you know, you, that's starting that Kansas City game. I was like, dude, they gave up 32 points, like over 400 yards in every game. Like this defense has not proved that it can consistently get pressure, turn the football over, or stop anyone unless there happens to be a 25-plus mile an hour gale force wind with a bit <laughs> of some rain and some cold weather. And last time I checked, that is not what Mark Davis had installed at Allegiant Stadium. So it's definitely not happening at home. And it's probably not happening somewhere in the, uh, the AFC West. So, um, the, I, I think this time around, Casey will have a much better game plan, as you alluded to, uh, for that Raider defense.
0: Uh, Chiefs and uh, Raiders was off the board, is off the board in some spots because of the COVID issues with the Chiefs offensive tackles. I think I saw a report that all tests, uh, came back negative. I would encourage everyone listening to this. To go bet on the Chiefs. They're minus six and a half. It feels a little trappy because it's in Oakland on, in primetime. And that's a big thing. It's draw. in Las
1: Vegas. They don't play those games.
0: Really. Look, I'll get it right in 2021. Don't worry about it. Uh, I finally gotten the Chargers down. Um, but you know what? It's Andy Reid off a of bye and, the, and they're mad about this bus thing, which is hilarious that how mad John Gruden is that they're mad about the bus thing. You saw this, right? No, no. Oh, uh, okay. So Andy Reid is asked about. You know, it's like uh, something questions about the Raiders, and his response is like, "Well, I mean, it's or it's like, you know, it's like, is it e- is something like, is it is it easier to bounce back after a after a loss? Something like, and he's like, "Well, you know, you'd have to ask them. We don't really know." He's like, and they took a trip around the stadium, a victory lap around the stadium in the bus. Apparently, the Raiders team bus leaving Kansas City after the after winning did like a victory lap honking around Arrowhead stadium. And I don't know the specifics of it. So Andy Reed mentions it. He mentions it twice in his press conference. Like he clearly brought it up annoyed by the fact that it happened, which eh, noteworthy of Andy Reed says that, I think a little bit. John Gruden was sure. asked about it. And Gruden says he makes this disgusted face over it. I think Will is PR guy. Like, are you, you kid me? These guys are asking me this. and He's like, well, maybe you just have to go ask smart-aleck Kansas City bus driver who had some things to say, and we made him drive around the stadium. Next question. This is ridiculous. And it's like, whoa, whoa, buddy. Like, I, like, you did a victory lap around the stadium. People want to know, man. No, um, no. You know, here's the
1: thing is you contract services when you get there to, on, on the site, right?
0: I'm sure the bus driver is a Chiefs fan.
1: Right. And that's the whole point. So, like, could there I'm have sure been
0: – about time you beat us.
1: <laughs> like, right. Or or some something could have been said, of course. And so what do you do in that position? You flex. You're like, hey, uh, we're going to make a, a, a detour real quick. Do you mind just circling around a few more times? And since we're paying you, just keep honking the horn, okay, as we drive around a few more times. So, I, I look, I wouldn't put that past John Gruden or anyone else. Like, I've been plenty of situations where we've had some bad bus drivers or bus drivers from, you know, different teams. I remember one time. We were going through, like, the security gate because, you know, we, you always charter a plane, yeah. and so you're going through the separate entrance. And our, our security – it was late at night. Our security bus our, – our, our driver, bus driver, he hit the side of a fence. It shattered a windshield. Oh, my God. And God. so at that point, because of liability, like, even though they could have kept driving, you know, onto the rest of the tarmac to let us, you know, get out, get our stuff, they had to stop the bus right there. And so we had to wait wait till another bus unloaded, get everyone off, make sure there's no like shattered glass on anyone or anything else. But I mean, it it was, it was just a whole ordeal, but that's just one of many things that happens when you're on the road and you have to deal with bus drivers. You don't have
0: like some professional, like chief's bus driver. You're just using no travel
1: bus drivers, man. Like the bus drivers that like you, they're the ones that are taking your team from your facility to the airport, unless you're a team that gets to park at the airport, which, I was uh I was not one of those players, unfortunately. I wish I had the opportunity to do that. I was not.
0: Yeah. Oh, right. Um so anyway, that I would encourage people to take the Chiefs, minus six and a half. I think that they are gonna It's gonna be big. I like it. I think they're gonna put a number on Gruden. They will. They're gonna
1: put a Brinson on them. That's all I like to say.
0: Is that like a It's
1: a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. It's like a Munson but a Brinson, you know, oh, if you've whoa, ever seen
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that a kingpin? a kingpin? Well, no, it's just
1: an example of like not they're not synonymous, but like there's a Munson, there's a Brinson, there's all sorts of things. Yeah. All
0: right. Yeah. We can't tell you by what that actually means though. Um, <laughs> all right. So moving on to the, or well, staying in the AFC, I guess. Chiefs are, Chiefs are in. Chiefs are good. Yeah. Who do you think gets the number one seed? The Chiefs or the Steelers? I don't know. I, I
1: keep thinking, I mean, I, again, I picked the Steelers to win the Super Bowl. I guess I'll have to stick with it, even though I, I think that the Chiefs right. would beat them if they played. So. Are
0: you one of those people, I saw, uh, I think it was Chris Raybon of the Action Network, I think, who's like, he like wrote an article, he's like, I bet on the, he's like, I bet the Steelers to win the Super Bowl, and I feel less confident now that they're undefeated, like now that I did before somehow.
1: Yeah, kind of, know. like, it's not even that I feel undefeated, it's like how they've got there, being undefeated. I'm like, eh, like maybe Big Bench does not practice all week, because he looked, he looked probably one of his better games after being you know, on the COVID list, so let's just would call you, it that. Would you, we, you
0: almost prefer if the Steelers were 7-2? and two?
1: Kind of. You know, like I, I just, I don't know, there's something about experiencing a loss, learning how to lose, coming back from that sort of thing. Uh, and then having that taste in your mouth. I mean, not that again, like I was ever on a team that was good enough to experience that necessarily, but, but yeah, I think there's something to that, like not being devastated, but I, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter.
0: Maybe uh, they have the Jaguars on the road, Ravens at home, Washington at home, Bills on the road, Bingo's on the road, Colts at home, and Browns on the road. I mean, Browns,
1: Colts, uh, Ravens. Like he doesn't lose teams.
0: to the Browns. He does it. Like he, he dislikes the Browns for passing on him in the draft and he just doesn't lose to them.
1: I mean, I, we beat him on Thursday night football when I was there.
0: Is that in Pittsburgh or in?
1: Made in Cleveland.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, nine.
0: Yeah, I remember that. Hmm. Okay. Usually. So like it negative
1: 10 degrees. is was awful.
0: Oh, that was the game where you, you like, you guys combined for like 45 yards passing.
1: Pretty much, yeah. yeah it wasn't yeah. much. And there was like a 30-mile-an-hour winds the whole time. You basically could only throw, I want to say, I think it was toward our team tunnel. Yeah, because the way the wind – no, no, no. It was the other way. It was away from our team – towards the dog pound. It was like the only direction you could throw. The other way, it was like good luck because the way the, the wind was piping through there.
0: So let me ask you that about the Browns real quickly, and I'm not to divert because we were going to get to the Dolphins in a second. But uh, the last two weeks in Cleveland, the wind gusts have been really bad. The weather has been awful. You referenced the Raiders game where there'd be like, "Oh, the Raiders' defense is good." No, it's the wind situation in Cleveland, specifically to that stadium, is worse than a lot of other spots or that city, I guess. And then a lot of other spots yeah. in the NFL, like in Lambeau, I feel like it runs a, it runs like almost directionally. So if you're on one side of the field, passing is fine, but in Cleveland, it's like going every which way, right?
1: Uh, it can change. I mean, Phil Dawson, Nazi, he was a longtime kicker there. One of the best that I would talk to before the game about it. Um, he could, he could tell you better than anyone else. Uh, but yeah, it typically comes through in kind of a weird way because the design of the stadium, but it's also right there off Lake Erie. It's very rare. I mean, outside of, you know, Soldier Field, uh, which kind of is more of a bowl shape. So it's a little bit more of swirling. Cleveland's not shaped like that necessarily because the way the end zones are. So you get it kind of coming in more, one direction more so than the other. San Francisco, you, or in Santa Clara, I should say, you notice it like that too. Um, Green Bay is not bad, and, and in part because it's been built up so much. I mean, it really yeah. is impressive when you're in there, so that doesn't bother you too much. Buffalo is the other one that I think has a decent amount of consistent wind uh, based on the design of the stadium and how it works. So um, just from what I can kind of remember back to, like thinking about different stages of wind. Cincinnati was kind of one weird too, uh, right there off the Ohio River and just, the way that that stadium design was, I'll never forget. It had a crosswind, and we were there. It was kind of like probably you know forty-ish, maybe, and we we're all warming up before the game. And it was just like you could basically throw to the right, but you couldn't throw to the left. And and it was oh. like that significant. So you really had to Great. pick your formations and then like how you went about disguising how you're going about just throwing one direction.
0: So they, so that's where Mitchell Trubisky should have played, right? It's like is where he could only throw to the right side of the field. So yeah. I mean, but in in the Cleveland thing. Because it looks like – it just seems like we've had two games now, the last two weeks where there's been a ton of wind, no points scored. Does it seem fair to say that if you've got a game in Cleveland with wind at like 15 miles an hour or higher, with a Kevin Stefanski team that likes to run it, eh, you should probably take the under.
1: Under, yeah, under (laughs) – I mean, yeah, that's, like that's sort of in, what I'm getting at here. Like, yeah, kicking game, it's like effect, punting game, field position, yeah. battle, all that. So yeah, you know, definitely take the under.
0: But Houston couldn't do anything last week either with my, yeah. and like they, and, and, you know, and you just saw it. The Browns just, so yeah, I guess that's my point is take the it's under on Cleveland games. Okay. Uh, to the Dolphins, I'm just going to skip through the number one pick and all that stuff. Uh, the number one seed and all that stuff. The Dolphins, where are you at on the Dolphins? In terms of what you've seen I, for Brian Fuller. I'm a believer,
1: too. man. I'm a believer. Like I, I, think the way the culture he's built, the, the, the players that he kept on this team, the players that he added onto this team, if you look between last year and this year, uh, he's just got everything working in unison with one another. And, and these guys, they all know their roles. They, they all execute at a high level. Like it's, in, in, in essence, it's kind of like New England-ish. Like they don't beat themselves. They all execute what they're asked to do at a high level and they really play complimentary football all three phases. You know, we've seen special teams touchdowns, you know, block punts. Um, you know, you, you look at their defense. Their defense has scored points. Their defense is is, is pitching, you know, low-scoring games to be able to help out their offense. And offensively, it's like, don't, it doesn't matter who's back there. It could be Miles Gaskin. They just released Jordan Howard because they they keep finding guys from the University of Washington. Savon Ahmed now has been their featured rusher. Like, they just look at the University of Washington. And they're like, yeah, we like that guy. We like that guy. Uh, we like the Newton guys there now. We'll just get him next year. Um, and then Tua, the way they've, they've worked in Tua and how he spreads the football around. Jakeem Grant's taken on a bigger role outside of just being a returner now with Isaiah Ford gone. He's taken over that slot position. So they're just a really good football team. They're six and three. They won five in a row. You couldn't say that about the Dolphins since 2016 when Gase was there in his first year, unless you include the bye and 2008 would be the last time if they didn't have a bye during that five game winning stretch. The
0: uh, uh, the, the famous final? Uh, Cam Cameron. Is it Cam Cameron?
1: No. That was the year before.
0: Who was the oh two thousand eight they Sprano. won eleven
1: five. They can't win five in a row if they won one in fifteen.
0: No, no, I, oh yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm saying that they they won the division. In two thousand eight. Brady, right. Brady Torres Brady was it was it Cam Cameron one year then he got fired in Sperano in 08? Is that right?
1: Cam Cameron got fired after going one in fifteen. He's gone. Yeah yeah came in Chad Pennington comes down they win the division. They go eleven and five that year, and they won. Yeah. That was the last time they won five in a row, not having a bye at some point in time. There.
0: Chad Pennington, famous June twenty sixth birthday guy. Yeah. Just like me. Yeah,
1: that's called a Brinson, by the way. What you just did.
0: Mike Vick, Derek Cheater, Chris O'Donnell. Wow. Chad Pennington. Old list. Will Brinson. Chris right. O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. And then, like Robin. Chris O'Donnell. I was just gonna
1: say, Rob, literally, that was like, first recall was like Batman Robin. He yep. was Robin.
0: Terrible movie. But no, is Batman and Robin good? Batman I think, Forever
1: I think was so. Good. No, all the, all the like, the ones with Christian Bale were great. I yeah. would say that was probably one of the better ones with Robin, cause I can't remember another Batman and Robin with an actual Robin. No,
0: which no, there's, 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 there's Batman, there's the Tim Burton Batman with Michael Keaton, which is awesome. Right.
1: Yeah, Michael Keaton, that, outside of Multiplicity, which is one of my, one of my favorite movies, he was actually one of the more low key better Batmans.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I think Bale is probably the best. Uh, Piment went flying. Bale is probably the best ever. But I think Keaton. I might take Keaton.
1: I'm I don't know. over Clooney.
0: Yeah, Clooney was terrible.
1: Clooney's just not believable. Like, oh, I, I mean, no. I just I could see like Michael Keaton on some HGH for a while, actually, like being Batman. I just could never picture George Clooney and I don't know.
0: Okay. So uh, th- that's what it was. So, all right. It's, it's, I mixed up Batman and Robin is the Clooney one that was awful. That was a Besides terrible. Besides
1: for Chris O'Donnell.
0: But remember, was Chris O'Donnell, was he Batman? I thought he was Robin and Batman forever. Or is there not a Robin and Batman forever?
1: I don't think there's a Robin and Batman forever.
0: I think you're right. But Batman and Robin was famous. It came out in, um, 97. Famous because they, they made a huge deal or like it was a huge deal. It was made out of Batman's nipples. Remember that? They I added know. nipples to the Batman suit for the first time. <laughs> that
1: would not be something that I would really...
0: They yeah. made a huge deal out of it in 97. Everybody was like, why did they add nipples to the bat suit?
1: Well, don't right. get me started on like, I mean, I feel like you're venturing into the talk of like mannequins now. Have you, I was just walking by a mannequin the other day and, and it was like a, it was swimsuit wear
0: and... I see this picture of Batman's nipples right now.
1: Well, but no, but I'm just saying in general, like, <laughs> They put, like, nipples on, like, mannequins for, like, bathing suits. I'm like, have they always done this? Have they always made it, like, for, for like, female bathing suits? And, like, you can either see other stuff, if you know what I mean. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, like, very revealing. I was like, are these bathing suits that revealing? Even mannequins are showing stuff?
0: It's pretty bad. Um, and, by the way, George Clooney, I didn't realize this, later in 2015, apologized for Batman and Robin. He said, quote, I thought I destroyed the franchise.
1: Wow. Yeah. All because of a nipple slip.
0: Yep. They gave, uh, they gave old Robin nipples too. It's just unnecessary. I
1: just got the picture. I'm looking at it now. Wow. I mean, and honestly, they look kind of like they're like bolts, like it's a chest plate and they bolted the chest plate, but yeah, clearly they're nipples. Um, Uh, Okay.
0: Okay. I've gotten all mixed up here. I've got my Batman's, my Batman's crossed up. Batman forever is good. Batman forever had seal, kiss from a rose. Great song. Yeah. Uh, Batman and Robin was the one where they brought in. Schwarzenegger is Mr. Freeze.
1: That's right. And it
0: was—it's like the Iceman Comet. He's like, you know, he had like all these bad puns. It was, just, it was terrible. And then they had Alicia Uma Silverstone. Thurman. Uma Thurman was Poison Ivy. Yeah. And Alicia Silverstone, uh, was uh, whatever. Batgirl? Batgirl.
1: Yeah. Or, no, she was um, Catwoman. Maybe I don't know. Batgirl. You know, she was a, she She's was
0: she was good. I think she was Batgirl.
1: Yeah, I think you're right.
0: Yeah. Um, that was peak. I, anyway. At least the silver's peak of her powers and boy, she fell.
1: Oh, by the way, just to like completely get back to the conversation we're having, cause I have to go. Check. Uh, the Dolphins. Yes. They're going to get the nine and three, dude. Like look at their next three games. If I'm not mistaken, it's what? Like they've got Cincinnati on there.
0: Uh, Broncos on the road next. Jets on the road after that. Bengals That's, at home. And then thanks. the Chiefs.
1: Yeah. But let's, let's talk about those three. If you would have asked me like week four or five of the season, would you have picked them to say, no, they're going to be favored in all those three of those games. No, but like now they are. Like they are legitimately going to be favored in those three games. I yeah. think at least.
0: they'll be a, they'll be double digit favorites against the Jets and Bengals.
1: Uh, I don't know about that. Definitely not. They a will big. definitely
0: be double digit favorites against the Jets.
1: I can see them being like a nine and a half. I wouldn't. It's a divisional opponent. I don't think they'll go that high.
0: Okay, I'll take the I'll take the Dolphins. Absolutely.
1: All right. I'm just saying, but still it doesn't distract the point. They could be nine and three going into that Kansas city game. How about that, man? Like I would have never foreseen that happening this year.
0: No, um, that would be insane. And then they close out with the uh, Patriots at home dolphins on the road and bills on the road. So are they definitely making the playoffs?
1: Oh, I, I think they're going to make it as well. i mean, they get the nine wins, dude. Yeah. I think they're in. Cause I think they'll, they'll find a way of stealing one of those games, right? Whether it's maybe new England or Buffalo. Like I just, I don't think, I don't foresee them being Kansas City. I could be wrong, but I think they can get to 10 wins, man. I think, I think they can get to 10 and six legitimately.
0: Dolphins plus, uh, three to one to win the division. Bills minus three thirty three. Pats 12 to
1: one. Yeah. I, I think, I, so wait, look at the rest of the Bills' schedule quickly. Only because if they were to beat New England, cause they finished it in Buffalo, you said. Yep. So they could be 10 and five going Bills into have that- the
0: Chargers, Niners, Steelers and Broncos. And then Pats, Dolphins, and, uh, Pats and Dolphins.
1: Yeah, they got an easier schedule. No.
0: you are going to win four of those games, I think. That's the problem. Yeah.
1: I mean, you you you'd have to ask yourself like, all right, if it came down to it, does, if, if the Dolphins are 10 and 5, do they beat Buffalo? Is it in Buffalo? It's in Buffalo. Yeah. Do they beat Buffalo? I, I don't know. My, I'm, I'm probably thinking not.
0: Yeah, probably. So they probably
1: end up ten and six, but okay. uh, they could legitimately be ten and six. I mean, that, that's assuming they beat New England, which is no gimme. So,
0: sure. Uh, either way, these two teams are fascinating in the AFC East. Things have changed dramatically in that in that division. And as Brady points out, the Dolphins are for real. Please, Dolphins bloggers, Miami Dolphins fans, you the snakes coming out of the swamp to attack me. See, Brady thinks they're good. I agree, they're pretty good. Uh, Brady, we ran long. My apologies, but thank you for the Batman nipple talk. As, as well as the, that's what we're
1: here for. That's, that's what we're. If we've learned one thing today, it's that you never, ever, all right, put nipples on a Batman costume. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready, PG.